Welcome to our worship today from Seal Church, led by me, Canon Anne Labar, in this season of Eastertide. The hymn at the end of the service is sung by the choristers of St Martin in the Fields. Grace, mercy and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty Father, who in your great mercy gladdened the disciples with the sight of the risen Lord, Give us such knowledge of his presence with us that we may be strengthened and sustained by his risen life and serve you continually in righteousness and truth. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our first reading is from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 9. Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, Who are you, Lord? And the reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were travelling with him stood speechless, because they heard the voice but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. He answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight and at the house of Judas, Look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him, so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
and immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptised, and after taking some food he regained his strength. For several days he was with the disciples in Damascus, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. A reading from John chapter 21. Afterwards Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realise that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. This is the word of the Lord. In the name of God. Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three of them, and though there were so many, the net was not torn. 
153 fish. It's one of those details in the Bible that makes you sit up and take notice. What's so special about 153? It's not an approximation. It's not a round number. But it hardly seems likely either that anyone would have sat down on the beach and counted and then felt it important enough to keep a record of exactly how large the catch was. And yet the Gospel is specific. 153 fish. St Jerome in the 4th century suggested that this was the total number of species of fish known to exist at the time, and so it symbolised the completeness of this catch. But there's nowhere else in ancient literature that 153 is mentioned in that context. Other people have pointed out that if you add up all the numbers from 1 to 17, you get 153. I've tried it and it works. And 17, as those theorists say, is the sum of 10 and 7. Both numbers which in the ancient world also suggested perfection and wholeness. The truth is, though, that we don't know where this number comes from. But in the Gospel writer's mind, it probably does have something to do with totality. We can tell, tell that not only from the context, but also from other references in the Bible to nets and fishing. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus tells a sort of mini parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind, he says. In the Old Testament, too, the prophet Ezekiel has a vision of his nation as God wants it to be, and central to that vision is a great river flowing down to the sea, making stagnant waters fresh and bringing life to all that's in it. People will stand fishing before the sea, says Ezekiel, from Engedi to Eneglion. It will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of a great many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. John echoes that vision in this story of his miraculous catch. Here is God's kingdom. Coming to birth among you, he says. A vision of abundance and plenty. A kingdom which is for all. The early church struggled with that, just as we still do. We tend to set limits and make conditions. For the early church, the tensions and the divisions were between Jews and Gentiles. For us, they may be different. We might find ourselves consciously or unconsciously saying, well, you're welcome if you think like I do, if you worship like I do. You're welcome if you behave in ways that I approve of, if you're prepared to fit into the way we already do things. You're welcome if you go through the right rituals. Saul, in our first reading, who became known to us as St Paul, thought like that too. He thought he was protecting the inheritance of faith that he treasured by persecuting those who'd followed the way of Jesus. He believed that Jesus had not only been wrong, but had been rejected by God. Otherwise, why had he been crucified? When he heard Jesus' voice coming from heaven, from the place where God was, he was utterly confused. How could Jesus be in heaven with God? It made no sense to him. The blindness that falls on him in this story is as much about spiritual disorientation as it is about any physical state. He feels as if he's lost everything. 
He doesn't fit among the Pharisees that he's been part of, who shared his belief that Jesus was wrong. But surely the followers of Jesus weren't going to want to know him either. But that's where Ananias comes in, one of the bravest people in the Bible. God calls him to go to Saul and to pray for his healing. Ananias knows who Saul is. He knows his track record. He knows the risks. What if it's all a setup designed to lure Christians like him into Saul's net? But Ananias goes anyway. And then he introduces Saul to the rest of his Christian brothers and sisters, speaking for him when they understandably have doubts. Ananias trusts that God is big enough, that his grace is abundant enough to encompass someone like Saul. And he trusts, too, that God won't let go of him, whatever happens. It's often not easy or comfortable to be open to others, and we need to be aware of the potential cost of doing so. But I think the impact on Saul of Ananias's welcome must have been huge. The letters he write later writes to the church as St Paul the Apostle, letters we know so well, are full of the generosity of God, full of the love that knows no boundaries, of God who makes peace with those who are near and with those who are far off, God whose love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. These stories of abundance, whether it's abundant fish or abundant love, are meant to remind us of Jesus' ministry in tearing down the walls that separate us from each other. Jews and Gentiles, male and female, slave and free, rich and poor, can all be part of one family. But I don't think these stories are just about what happens out there. I think they're just as much about the walls we put up within ourselves, compartmentalising our lives, separating out what we like about ourselves from what we don't. If we don't own and come to terms with the shadows within us, we will in the end project them outwards onto others. It's the divisions within us that create the divisions outside us. We hate others rather than admitting that we hate, hate bits of ourselves. The disciples in this story, and Simon Peter especially, knew that they'd failed Jesus when they ran from him as he was arrested. They couldn't turn the clock back. That failure was a part of them, a part of their life stories, and they hated themselves for it. What were they going to do with that self-hatred? They go fishing to remind themselves that this, at least, is something they can do. Maybe they're trying to kid themselves that that bad stuff never really happened. But even in this, they fail. There are no fish until Jesus comes along. It's only then that they get the point. They're accepted as they are. God can hold them in their wholeness, good and bad. I think that's a message most of us need to hear. We often expend a great deal of effort covering up the things we're ashamed of in our lives. We try to look good, but in order to do so, we have to cut off bits of ourselves, leave them at the church door, lock them away. 
But God wants us to come to him as whole people. And frankly, if we don't come like that, we might as well not come at all. There were 153 fish in the net, and the net was not torn, says the Gospels. How far do we think we can stretch the love of God before it breaks? Are we anxiously trying to protect him from being overloaded, like that net, cautiously sidling up to him, trying to stop others doing things which we fear will offend his delicate sensibilities? I know it sounds daft when I put it like that, and of course it is daft. God can cope with us and with others, whoever we are, whatever we've done. The net of his love, the net of his kingdom, is big enough and strong enough for the whole catch, for whatever we put into it. It won't break. Whoever we are, whatever we've done, God's love can hold it all. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. As we share the peace, we hold in our minds those from whom we are separated, members of our congregation, our families, our friends, and we remember that in God's hands we are all held together. Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Almighty God, who raised Jesus from the dead and exalted him to your right hand on high, may we know your resurrection power in our daily lives and look with hope to that day when we shall see you face to face and share in your glory, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. May Christ, who out of defeat brings new hope and a new future, fill you with his new life, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Mm -hmm.